Hello and welcome to Health Yeah! Brought to you by the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors, promoting health and preventing disease. You can find more information about NACDD at chronicdisease.org. As always, I'm Joseph Rhodes, your friendly podcast producer. there, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Health Yeah. As most of us realize, diabetes is a very serious disease, and one that shouldn't be taken lightly, and one that we all could use a little more education about. What you may or may not know is that World Diabetes Day is on November 14th of every year. Now, World Diabetes Day is the primary global awareness campaign focusing on diabetes. And like I said, it's held on the 14th of November each year. To bring awareness to that, we have two very special guests on the program. Patrick Luce is the chair of the Pacific Chronic Disease Council and the program coordinator for chronic disease prevention and control for Guam's Department of Public Health and Social Services. Now we also have Melissa Young. She is a master in global health intern for the Chronic Disease Council and a certified diabetes educator in Guam. This is a very special and very important episode of the podcast with a lot of great information. So let's dig in and bring awareness to this very serious problem. I'm Paige Rowe with the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors, and I'm very pleased to have joining me today for a very important conversation on diabetes in the Pacific, uh, Mr. Patrick Lucet. Uh, he is the, the chair of the Pacific Chronic Disease Council and the program coordinator for chronic disease prevention and control for Guam's Department of Public Health and Social Services. And joining us also is Melissa Young. She's a Master in Global Health intern for the Pacific Chronic Disease Council and a certified diabetes educator in Guam. Welcome to you both. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us today, Paige. Hey, Paige, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we really appreciate it. So I wonder if we could start a little bit um, by framing uh, some of the challenges that are faced in the U.S.-associated Pacific Islands. Could you tell us a little bit about the current burden of diabetes and prediabetes in this area? Is the U.S. API more affected or impacted by diabetes compared to other territories or states? Uh, yes, you know, um, uh, Guam and the U.S. APIs are in, uh, one of the worst places uh, in the world in regards to diabetes. We know that uh, through the World Health Organization, we see some of the worst numbers uh, for diabetes in our in our Pacific, and in our uh, U.S. affiliate Pacific Islands here in Guam, uh, our diabetes uh, prevalence rate averages about twelve uh, percent. And uh, one of our neighboring uh, countries, uh, American Samoa, we know is at uh, is at about uh, almost fifty percent or at about forty seven percent. So we're seeing. Uh, some of the worst numbers uh, here in our Pacific, so we're very vulnerable for diabetes. That, those are really significant numbers. Do you feel like 
the rest of the world is aware of the challenges that you face or is it something you're really trying to call attention to? We've been working very closely with uh, CDC and WHO in the global arena and the good thing is that we're all trying to strategize on addressing the issues of diabetes and so uh, we're all starting to get aware of uh, what the deep diabetes uh, burden uh, is among our different countries and so there is a, a movement uh, to try to work in tandem in uh, addressing the issues of, of diabetes. And so we are aware, uh, a little bit more aware of where the uh, uh, worst cases of diabetes are and uh, who may be a little bit successful. And so uh, it is an ongoing work in progress. And if I may add to what um, Pat had said, so even if our numbers in the Pacific are small, but its impact in our population is huge. Like, say, because um, we are scattered around the Pacific, and collectively the population of um, the U.S.-affiliated Pacific Islands is just about um, 500,000. But um, even with that number, close to about 20% or greater of um, the population is afflicted with diabetes. Our data is... Uh, is not um, as much as what you can find um, when you look it up, and it's because uh, we are only beginning to to collect information about really the burden of diabetes in the region. But um, when you when you actually uh, are on the ground and meet people who are afflicted with the disease and including their families, um, you would you can really tell that um, we are impacted uh, disproportionately by diabetes. Tell me a little bit more about that. Our CEO John Robisher has traveled to the U.S. API. Uh, many, many times. I think he goes there at least once a year, and every time he goes, he comes back and shares with his team uh, how moved and, and um, concerned he is uh, by the, the significant impact of diabetes in these communities. But I wondered if you could put a little bit more of a, of a personal touch. Is there an example of, of a family or situation that you've encountered that seems very typical in, in Guam or in, or in some of the communities that you've worked in that can exemplify why uh, this is such a big concern. Yes, absolutely. So often the patients that we see here in our hospital, so um, I'm an inpatient uh, diabetes educator, and migration within the Pacific Islands is very common. And I would say one of the reasons for that is um, people are seeking for um, a better healthcare service. And it's really unfortunate when, whenever we see them, they've had, they have diabetes for a very long time, say more than five or 10 years. And when we ask them about um, their knowledge regarding the disease, it's just, it's, it's nothing. It, they, they don't know about it. They thought it's something that is um, contagious or something that they acquired simply because they were eating, you know, certain kinds of food. Um, but the uh, most of the people are lacking the information that, um, yes, food can be a factor, um, but there is also a genetic um, composition for that. And it's, it's really that education on how, say, a, a father who's here for, like, poorly controlled diabetes and how we're trying to teach, um, you know, the family about it, that, for example, with their children, that they may be at risk for the disease when they get, get older. And 
So education and awareness campaign is, uh, is becoming of importance. And it's not just that, it's the access to care. And um, with, with some of the patients that we've we've seen, um, they're already in their like, um, like end stage of their diabetes condition, meaning they already have all these complications which can be prevented. And um, access to these preventative services is also not um, widely available, um, I would say, in, in, in the Pacific Islands because um, I know we have shortage in, um, say, specialists, say, a food doctor or an ophthalmologist or a kidney doctor, at least to have them control their condition and not lead to, um, like, further complications of the disease. And so really it's the, it's the awareness um, that, that we, we need to um, emphasize to, to most of our patients um, who come from, like, the different jurisdictions in the U.S. affiliated Pacific Islands. Yeah, and I would just like to add, you know, we were, we were very fortunate to be working with John Robertshire and the uh, National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. As chairman of the uh, Pacific Chronic Disease Council, we have our, our regional uh, organization that uh, gets together at least once or twice a year. Uh, and this is where we have the opportunity to actually learn from each other and work from each other and address issues as a region on the issues of, of diabetes and addressing the the burden of it. With National Association of Chronic uh, Disease Directors, uh, we've been in partnership since uh, 2009. We were able to uh, have NACDD as a, uh, a funding or a financial administrator for the Pacific uh, Chronic Disease Council. Although we are a very small group, you know, we're not really uh, in the business of becoming a, doing a 501 uh, C3 at the uh, national arena. And so having NACD there is a big advantage because funding that we receive through uh, CDC or um, any of the other, uh, other federal agencies such as OSTILS, uh, we're able to get this funding and actually use it throughout the region, uh, throughout the uh, yeah, six U.S. affiliated Pacific Islands uh, of American Samoa, Palau, CNMI, uh, Republic of Marshall Islands, uh, Republic of Palau, and Guam. We're able to work uh, strategically with the uh, uh, evidence-based NCD collaborative model. And so uh, what this model uh, does is that we're able to train each other uh, and build capacity in our, in our community. The National Chronic Disease Council uh, has made it a whole lot easier for uh, Pacific Chronic Disease Council to uh, implement the uh, evidence-based chronic, uh, chronic disease care model. And so six, uh, the uh, U.S. APIs are able to implement the chronic care model in uh, the community health clinics in helping people manage their chronic disease and uh, diabetes. That's wonderful, and I appreciate you both um, sharing your perspectives on, on why interventions are so important, both at the patient level and as well as how organizations like NACDD can help uh, these communities have a little bit more flexibility and ownership and, and empowerment in, in addressing these issues at the population level. We talked a little bit about this at the very beginning, but I wondered if we could dial back to how culture and, you know, 
the geographic location of USAPI's interplay with chronic disease risk. And Melita, I know that you mentioned earlier that there was a lack of education and understanding about diabetes, and I think you might find that in many places throughout the United States. That's not solely relegated to the USAPI, although there are many cultural differences and, and genetic reasons why some communities may be more at risk than others. But could you tell me a little bit about the specifics regarding how being um, a, a group of islands and, and where you're located may interplay with, with the chronic disease burden there? I, I would say it's our unique geographic location. We are remote in a sense that we, we don't have that much access to whether with, with some of the food or, say, services. And also with, um, in terms of the culture, some of the traditional foods that um, we, we come to embrace in the island um, are somehow are, are, are known, in fact, to be uh, you know, high in carbohydrate sources. And so, again, this is where the awareness piece comes in, that the staple food, for example, in the Pacific is, of course, you have your rice, you also have your your taro or your bread food, and these are very common in the island. And people are not aware that you know they're actually consu- consuming high amounts of like carbohydrates. And they thought because it's always been um, what's served on their table, they thought that it's something that. Uh, you know it's normal, but then again, we're we're beginning to to educate them that there are that these are high in carbohydrates that that this can affect their diabetes, and um, and maybe making some changes would be you know it's something that they can plan on um, in the management of their disease. And then um, of course in the, with the islands, of course being remote, um, and some of these traditional foods are also being replaced by like, say imported or processed food and we know that these kinds of foods are contributory to the high prevalence of obesity and obesity is a risk factor for diabetes. A higher prevalence of of obesity and with people not knowing that they're at risk for diabetes with the lack of access to like healthcare services then explains the problem of the diabetes epidemic within the region. And you you might find some parallels um, in some ways to other regions of the United States as well, some parts of the rural American South, for example, um, or areas where, you know, they are very remote, have lack of access to health care, and also may have traditional foods that may be contributors to, to diabetes risk. So there are some, some parallels there, perhaps, um, for those of our members listening uh, on some of those locations. In, in talking about the remoteness of the USAPI and the lack of access to healthcare. I wondered if you both might talk about the opportunities that diabetes prevention presents to increase health equity. The Chronic Disease uh, Council, the benefit of uh, uh, working with each other is that uh, we have uh, multi-cultures among our different islands and there's a lot of uh, migration to each other's islands and so this helps uh, our islands uh, to work with each other uh, in many cases uh, uh, language uh, does become a uh, does become a barrier and so working with each other uh, helps is that we uh, get to uh, understand each other's uh, cultures and uh, address the uh, language barrier by having uh, translated uh, materials from uh, each of our other countries that is, is being shared. So uh, that is an opportunity where we're uh, translating materials so that uh, we are addressing also uh, not only the language 
a barrier, but also uh, the culture among among our islands. The other thing is ap- approaching uh, a diabetes education on on one island uh, may be uh, different on another island. Uh, for example, uh, having women uh, go through screening, sometimes there is uh, uh, someone else in the household, uh, like the uh, head of the household that actually makes the decision. So there is a, a culture uh, barrier that we reach there in uh, not getting our clients to uh, come out and go through, for example, their appointment. So just having uh, or even hiring like someone from the other islands in our uh, workforce uh, makes a big difference because you know there's a little bit more uh, receptive when you have someone from your culture in your workforce uh, who is able to uh, communicate the education or, or the care that we need to provide to our community. If I may add on to what um, Pat had mentioned, um, so when when I first came on board in um, uh, when, when I was learning more about uh, PCDC through the internship, um, I came across the Pacific uh, chronic care model. And like what Patrick said, it's important to, to know the culture of uh, the different islands because that is what you would leverage in expanding your, um, you know, your strategies to reduce uh, health disparities. Again, the the language and the culture they they may be a, a very good um, like means to um, get the patient and the family empowered and informed, and because this will these are really the foundation of assisting them in navigating in this complex healthcare system, and as well as to to guide them in like decision making and um, their self management needs, because some of the services are already available within their own jurisdictions but not knowing that it's available for them and this is where the empowerment of the patient and family would really be uh, very foundational. That all is is very resonant I think with with many of our members who um, when we stand up the the national diabetes prevention programs in some of the states that we collaborate with one of the, the lessons that I've heard to come out of that on many occasions has been that the more sort of local that you can get, uh, the more attentive you are to the very specific needs of that community, whether that's in communication or the language that you use or the approach that you take, the, the more effective it is in, in, in standing up and, and scale, bringing that um, National Diabetes Prevention Program to scale. So that's very resonant then with, with some of the work that some of our members already are doing, and it's a good lesson and reminder um, that health equity really starts with with a fundamental respect and invitation to the communities and the cultures that you're working in to participate in a way that makes sense and is appropriate for them. Um, so I think that's a great lesson. I know we've talked a lot about the challenges and the, the concerns. We've talked about how, Melissa, you see so many patients uh, come into hospital who have delayed or not been able to access treatment uh, and that's resulted in a lot of complications. Uh, some of the things that um, sound like preventable disabilities uh, had people had access earlier. And I wonder, given the enormity of the challenge, what is the message of hope that that both of you might share with with your listeners in USAPI and and with members who are who are hearing about these challenges? Is there a success that you would share, an opportunity? To me, what I always um 
tell, my, tell our patients is that um, because diabetes is a chronic condition, so it's not going to go away, but um, we are here to provide them the support, like to guide them throughout their, you know, continuum of care. And I guess it's having the patient understand that they're at the center of um, all these like decision making and that our role as diabetes educator is to collaborate with the patient and together with their families and um, the other multidisciplinary members of you know the healthcare team like their primary doctor, their ophthalmologist, their nutritionist, maybe a social worker or like um, a mental health counselor if they're um, experiencing any uh, like a diabetes distress. It's informing them that these are all available for them and again it's increasing their awareness of the availability of these services that we are here to help them through every step of their diabetes care they need not be afraid of you know starting on an insulin or going into dialysis because we can help them prevent it and that's what we really impart um, to most of our patients that Again, we're here and that uh, we, we just need you to know that we, we can be relied on. And it's not just with the, with the direct services that they receive, say, from the care, but also with the various um, like public health programs that's available that we can certainly connect them to. Yeah, and if I may just add, our message of hope is that diabetes is, is reversible. It has been done in, in many success uh, stories on our island and uh, working with all the access of, uh, of uh, programs and care that is available on the island. The good thing is that we do have a uh, Guam Diabetes Control Coalition, uh, the Pacific Chronic Disease Council, and also the Guam Diabetes Association. They're all uh, working together to actually make these uh, programs that uh, Mila mentioned available to our community. Uh, it's just a matter of asking questions or uh, making a connection, uh, but that's, that's already uh, in place, you know, for uh, any kind of care, whether you want to uh, take a chronic disease uh, self-management program class or a uh, diabetes education empowerment class. Uh, these are all available to our community. Uh, we do work with our uh, wellness centers uh, that can provide uh, uh, specialty care, as well as with our uh, nutritionists and dietitians organizations and our, and our gyms. So there are a lot of partners out there uh, that are available in our community that we can link uh, our uh, clients uh, to work with. And then also um, we have a lot of uh, partners that, uh, such as NACDD and Pacific Island Health Officers Association that provide opportunities uh, such as trainings to build capacity in our community. In short, that we're trying to provide the uh, most current and up-to-date uh, uh, care for our community. So there's a lot of uh, work and uh, progress going on. It's just a matter of uh, us making that uh, link with our community. And I really appreciate um, all of PCDC's efforts because, uh, like, for what we encounter here in Guam, when we see patients, say, who are coming from, say, um, say from Chuuk or Panape or the other islands, and when when we know that, say, they're they're planning on coming back to their 
to their island, you know, we, we tell them that, you know, there's also a chronic disease self-management program that you can find there. And they're really surprised that, you know, some of these services that's on Guam is also mirrored in the other U.S. affiliated Pacific Islands. And, and again, it's, it's letting them know that this is something that's, um, collab- it's a collaborative effort that's, that's done, um, say, through PCDC and NACDD and um, the other um, global health partners. And it's uh, something that we constantly tell them, and, and they're, they're very surprised but appreciative about, um, you know, knowing that it's also available to where they're from. Yeah, and, and you mentioned some of the success stories. Um, in April of last year, we were uh, honored to announce with you some of the major uh, impacts from the Pacific NCD Collaborative Initiative. Uh, For example, a median drop of A1C of almost 1% in Majuro in the Republic of the Marshall Islands and uh, 0.7% in the Republic of Palau. And as we know, each percentage point drop in A1C lowers the risk of diabetes-related microvascular complications by about 40%. So that's one example of of some of the important work being done. There's also been better uh, improved blood pressure control in the Federated States of Micronesia, uh, the Republic of Palau. Um, regular foot exams were being implemented in, in Maduro and Cosray. And there were also other documented diabetes self-management goal-setting programs taking place. So there is a lot of good news coming out of this region as well. And, and just to remind our audience, Uh, The U.S. Associated Pacific Islands is a a large region that spans twice the geographic area of the continental U.S. and has a population of approximately a half a million people. So uh, some of the challenges and some of the achievements that are taking place in USAPI are significant not just because of the uh, challenges that are being faced, but because this is a very large area to be addressing in a very remote area. Um, and so I wonder if you have any comments on that, either of you. I, I do want to add one other uh, one other uh, huge success that we've had. Uh, we've you know we've seen a, a growing case of uh, TB in each of our islands, and these numbers also you know also travel into the U.S. and uh, back in about 2009 and 2010, uh, the Pacific Chronic Disease Council worked with uh, the Pacific Island TB Controllers Association, the WHO, uh, Australia uh, University, uh, uh, CDC, and many of the other regional organizations to uh, come up with uh, the standards of care of uh, diabetes and TB care. Uh, and that was one huge success uh, in that now we have uh, a guideline uh, or a standard of care that uh, is being implemented in the jurisdictions to, you know, to take control of uh, TB and diabetes. And so uh, I, my understanding is that uh, this standard of care was actually uh, shared with, with the rest of the Pacific Islands. And so uh, we have about 22 countries. And so uh, this uh, standard of care uh, that was, you know, uh, discussed right here in on, on Guam in 2009 at, at the time uh, has actually grown to actually help our community. So uh, that is one uh, big success story that we're uh, really happy to share. Well, I'm glad that you shared that with us. That's very, uh, that's remarkable uh, that you guys have been able to do that. So I, I think I'll I'll conclude our podcast 
uh, today by asking if there's anything that you would like, either of you would like to add, um, any messages to our members in other territories or U.S. states um, about the work that you've done or anything that you would like them to know. If I may just mention that, uh, you know, we're uh, in uh, part of the world where uh, we see the growing numbers of obesity and diabetes and chronic diseases. And we do have our limitations with uh, uh, health expertise and, uh, and clinicians. But, you know, uh, what we found very valuable is that uh, working with our partners on island, we're able to come up with our uh, Guam Diabetes uh, Strategic Plan for, uh, you know, uh, five years. And that started back in 2016 to uh, goes up to 2020. So we do have... Uh, uh, we do have some uh, goals and objectives that are in motion now. And so uh, there's always so much that we can do, but, you know, we always welcome our uh, partners and any other experts from, from overseas that can offer any kind of uh, assistance or any kind of uh, training or capacity building or any kind of resource that we can uh, help to further build our capacity here. And so... Um, it's these kind of examples that uh, where we get the uh, collaborative support that we're better able to help our uh, community. The key here is uh, really uh, collaboration and just really sharing uh, the challenges and as well as successes on uh, addressing uh, diabetes and chronic disease and NCDs in our, in our islands. Yeah, and um, so aside from what Patrick mentioned about, um, you know, the collaboration and, um, again, with, with more um, stakeholders getting involved um, in the region for the prevention and control of diabetes, what I, I, I am really hopeful, say, in the future is because people migrate, you know, within, within the islands, and we mentioned about, say, the access to care um, that is um, oftentimes their barrier in, you know, in getting their diabetes controlled, we, we will eventually have like a universal coverage um, to to all the the U.S. affiliated Pacific Islands, so that you know people need not worry about um, you know paying for their for their medications and getting the preventative services. And um, I, I, I know um, with the ongoing collaboration now with the different stakeholders, and um, I believe this is something that, you know, can be done in the future. And I think that will really strengthen the, the, the health systems in itself and within the region in prevention and control of diabetes. And at the same time, could really reduce the disparities in the region. That's excellent news to share, and uh, it certainly uh, pushes forward a little bit some of our, our states working on uh, trying to get uh, insurance coverage for diabetes prevention activities that encourages them a little bit to, to see where, where they can go to, to keep up with that um, very bold and, um, and important uh, program that you're working on. Uh, to provide universal coverage for the diabetes care. We really thank you both um, on behalf of all of our members and our organization for taking the time to talk with us today about diabetes in the USAPI. It is such a challenge that you face, but uh, our members and our partners are here and are very proud to work with you and inspired by how you are addressing the challenges that you face. And for any of our listeners who'd like to learn more about the work uh, that NACDD does in collaboration uh, with the Pacific, 
uh, you can visit our website at chronicdisease.org. Are there any websites that you'd like to share with us? We do have a uh, website for the Department of Public Health and Social Services. Uh, that would be uh, dphss.guam.gov. Uh, we do have a Facebook page that uh, we share a lot of our uh, activities that's going on. It's uh, uh, Live Healthy Guam, so we invite you to, uh, to uh, link to any of those sites. Yeah, also here in our hospitals, we have um, uh, grmc.gu, so our patient education services um, has a has a link uh, within that website of um, some of the uh, information materials and resources that's available to everyone, and, and, and it includes like um, the brochures that we've developed in-house, and some of them are actually have been tailored uh, for diabetes, like managing um, low blood sugar, and um, also like the schedule of the chronic disease of management class. Um, that we have collaborated with um, the Guam Public Health. Wonderful. We'll be sure to link to those in the information we provide uh, in the description of our podcast, which are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on our website, chronicdisease.org. Mr. Patrick Luces and Ms. Nazila Young, thank you so much for joining us from Guam to share with us uh, your experiences, challenges, and opportunities Uh, preventing and controlling diabetes in the U.S.-associated Pacific Islands. We really appreciate your time today. And for the rest of our listeners, you can catch more Healthier podcast episodes on our website. Thank you both, and have a great day. What an amazing conversation that was, and there was a lot of insight in that episode. Diabetes is one of those things that affects you, if not firsthand, then probably secondhand. Somebody you know, a friend or a family member, And it's a serious issue. So I feel like bringing awareness to that is really important. And I think the two people that we had on the podcast this week were great for doing that. If you'd like to know more, you can go to www.dphss for Department of Public Health and Social Services.guam.gov. Now, the other website that Melissa mentioned was grmc.gu. And I personally dug around the Facebook page, Live Healthy Guam. And there was a lot of really good information in that as well. And as always, if you want more information about the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors or more Health Yeah in particular, you can go to chronicdisease.org. And we hope you do. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of Health Yeah. I hope you found it informative and entertaining like I did. On behalf of NACDD, thank you very much for listening.